Hi, listeners. In this episode, we briefly discuss images of suicide. Uh, if that's harmful for you, you can skip this episode or really just skip the first 10 minutes. Yeah, hope you enjoy. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Sam. Lizzie. We're doing something incredibly edgy this week. First time in Subtextual history that we're trying this. and It might blow up in our faces. We're doing something new. We're keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting. Mm -hmm. So my movie this week, I did not tell you what I was going to be researching, which I usually do. Yeah, we usually have some sort of conversation so that we can eliminate certain weirdnesses. Yeah, get on the same page. But this week we said, no, we're throwing all of that away. (laughs) We're going to let fate decide. So Uh Um, the movie I chose this week is a movie that I forgot that I love this much, but I fucking love this movie, and hopefully none of y'all judge me too hard on loving this movie. I'm getting nervous. You should be nervous. Wait, should we play, like, a 20 questions? You, wait, could you give me, like, some big <laughs> okay, things? Wait. I'll see if I can guess no, it. Here's the, the one-liner. This is what the director used to pitch the film whenever he was trying to get it made. Okay. The first fart makes you laugh, and the last fart makes you cry. <laughs> Have I even seen this? You have not seen this. The movie I'm doing this week is Swiss Army Man. Oh, okay. Does that make sense now? I have not seen this, but I did hear there was farting in this. So much farting. It's like like actually a theme. Like, it's not just like a motif. It's a theme. (laughs) The third character. You know how, like, when something's set in New York, they're like, the fourth character is New York. Yeah, we really made the location a character. It's like, yeah, we made Flatulence a character. (laughs) Oh, great. Um, So what do you know about this movie? Any any background on it? I know that it was, like, very well regarded when it came out. Paul Dano is a little independent darling. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves him. And then... This was like seen as a departure for Daniel Radcliffe, a step into independent filmmaking, because he went from Harry Potter, I think, to the stage. Mm-hmm, right. And then he kind of picked a bunch of random things to do, films to do after that. And this is kind of one of them. He did a lot of really great, like, random indies in that time period. He also did a movie called Horns. Have you seen that? Yeah. So weird. And I love it. It was kind of, it's like Lil Nicky in in tone. Yeah. Like he starts turning into a demon or something and grows horns. Uh Like, I fucking love that. I love that. I don't remember what else happens. I need to revisit that film. But this is definitely one of those. The film came out in 2016, which I stand by as being a year that some of the best independent movies came out. Um, Let's see. Moonlight came out that year. Incredible. 20th Century Women. Mm -hmm. uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Fuck with that movie so hard. Mm -hmm. The Love Witch. Oh, yeah. Incredible. And uh, Personal Shopper. <laughs> uh, it's funny you haven't mentioned La La Land. <laughs> I don't consider that. That's not not on the list. I haven't met. I really have not met someone who's earnestly like that movie. So I kind of feel like it's, oh, our, our producer Lee is, is shaking his head and raising his hands. I'm sorry, Lee. Oh, shoot. It's okay. I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a loser, Lee. You're not a loser, Lee. Um, so yeah, it came out at Sundance in 2016 and apparently many people in the audience walked out of the theater. Wow. As when I start describing the plot, I'm sure you'll see how that's possible. So this film was directed by two directors. They're known collectively as Daniels. Okay. It's two directors named Daniel, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhart. 
Um, they're a directing team that started making music videos, and I was actually a huge fan of them from some of their early music videos, which is um, one is called Turn Down for What? Do you know what video I'm talking about? Where people are like ass slamming through like yeah, stories like in an Kool-Aid apartment. man style. Apologies for interrupting, but did you just sincerely ask me, have you heard of a, a little tune called um, Turn Down for What? <laughs> I don't know. You're so like highbrow. You have like standards. I'm over here. I chose a movie with like no women in it where just two guys fart on each other the whole time. I've participated in I'm society. <laughs> I know what Turn Down for What is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, this is – I'm going to geek out for a second, and this has nothing to do with you. This is all for me and probably a very small percentage of our fan base because um, they also did a music video for Manchester Orchestra, which as an emo child, I was obsessed with that band. And, in fact, Andy Hull and one other guy from the band did the score for this movie. And I thought the score of Swiss Army Man was really cool and interesting. Like, the characters on screen will, like, hum, like, a little tune, like, hmm, 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 and it'll morph into the score. So oh, it's really, it's like kind where of where the weird, wild things are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that tone. So it's very quirky and comical and, like, switching from, Lee, what's that type of sound where, di- oh, diegetic and non-diegetic. It goes from. Diegetic is on screen. Non-diegetic is off screen. Yeah. So it flows in a single score cue from diegetic to non-diegetic. Oh, I love that. It's really cool. I've There's so few films that do that. and um, So, yeah. Okay. The Daniels directed it. Paul Dano. Daniel Radcliffe. Four Dans. We got four Dans in the mix. <laughs> they must have given each other nicknames on set. Yeah. Like, which Dan are they talking about? I'd be terrified to give Paul Dano a nickname. I feel like he's just such a serious person. I'd call him Doll Pano. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm a fucking dumbass. <laughs> if y'all haven't realized it yet, oh, I'm a dumbass. It. I don't know that this movie is bringing it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tickled by this movie. Oh, God. I'm crying. Okay. All right. So let's get into the movie because a lot happens in this movie and I don't want to, I don't want to rush through it. I want to like hit some important beats. So. We open on a juice box floating in the ocean, and on it you see written the words, help me. And then more trash floats in off screen with other messages like, I took a boat and got caught in a storm. And finally, the last piece of trash has written on it, I am so bored. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to Hank, played by Paul Dano, is on a deserted island. Uh, He's like fucking sunburnt. He's been there for a while. He looks fucked up. He's trying to hang himself with a piece of rope and doing a pretty unsuccessful job. He sees a corpse of a man wash up on the beach, and that corpse is Daniel Radcliffe in a suit. So he, like, snaps the rope, like, goes to run and give the corpse CPR. And he's like, come on, man, like, you you can do it. You're still alive, even though he's very clearly <laughs> dead. He's, like, got the blue face. His, like, tongue's kind of hanging out, X's over his eyes. Like, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe's dead. So he starts performing CPR on the corpse, and the corpse lets out a giant fart. Oh. Like, just rips one. Great. And Paul Dano just kind of stops, and he's like, okay. (laughs) And then he goes and continues trying to hang himself. Oh, my God. (laughs) And you're like, all right. I know exactly how we're set up for this film. So while he's busy, uh, he took the corpse's belt and is trying to hang himself. While he's busy with that, in the background, 
we see the corpse like farting profusely and kind of like jerking in the water a little bit, like kind of tweaking out. And the farts start to kind of like push the corpse through the water a little bit, like a kind of like a motorboat on like standby <laughs> mode. And so Paul Dano takes the rope, takes the noose, runs over to the corpse, like kind of hooks it on the corpse as a rain and rides the corpse off into the horizon like a jet ski. Like oh my God. a huge fart rips out and they're like hauling ass over the waves. It's like going 40 miles an hour. And then the titles come up. Um, and they hit a huge wave. Hank hits the water and blacks out. When he comes to, he's on another beach next to a bag of Cheetos. Okay. Mm -hmm. Any, any questions so far? So many. Continue. (laughs) So he's next to these bag of cheese puffs. He's pretty excited about that. We see the corpse nearby. So the corpse made it with him. Um, he has a cell phone in his pocket and he like turns it on really quick and he see, we see that he has 10% battery power left, but no service. Hmm. And on the phone screen, we see uh, a screensaver picture of a woman in a yellow dress. We don't get, like, a really good look. It's, like, a very pretty, cute picture of this white woman in a yellow dress. And then he turns the phone off to save battery. So Hank feels affection for the corpse that he thinks saved his life and takes him with him, puts him on his back, and they decide to go find shelter somewhere. Uh, and he kind of talks to the corpse the whole way. And the corpse won't stop farting, so he stops up its butt with a cork that he finds on the ground, like a wine bottle cork. Jesus. This doesn't make it gay. So did, you didn't know this was a Survivor movie, did you? It must be kind of like Castaway, where he's like been alone for so long, and it's like, this thing kind of has a face. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny? The character, Paul Dano's character is named Hank Thompson, which is a play on Tom Hanks <laughs> in Castaway. <laughs> So yeah. that's just a little fun fact. I like it. Not doll pano. Not doll pano. <laughs> You're never going to let me live that one I'm down. I'm not. Um, okay, so they're huffing it up. They find, like, a cave. He, like, sets up a fire in the cave. He's like, damn it, I'm alone again. So he starts talking to the corpse. He told the corpse, like, when he was trying to hang himself, he expected to see, like, his life flash before his eyes, all this cool stuff he'd done. But he didn't really see anything. All we see is kind of, like... Him with headphones in on a bus looking out the window at some point. Like, you can tell before this, Hank did not have a very interesting life. He was very lonely. And now here he is again. (laughs) Even more lonely, probably, than he was living in San Francisco or wherever he was. This is just a complete delusion for this poor, poor man. He's just playing with this fucking corpse in a cave. It's so sad. Yeah, do you... That's something that's, like... You never really know if what is happening is real or not. Like, if this is a fantasy or a delusion or if it's, like, real life and this is just a world where corpses come to life. What do you think? I think this is a complete delusion. I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room for me with this. I don't think there's, like, a man that farts so good that he's a motorboat. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think it's a coping mechanism for him. And, hey, if it works. It works, it works. It does. All right, so he cradles the corpse, kind of sings him this cute little lullaby, and he falls asleep. So he wakes up the next day and starts venting to Manny. We get a sense he's got some unresolved daddy issues, which will come into play later. And Manny speaks. He mimics something that Hank says, and Hank freaks out. With his lips? Like With his, his lips. Lip. Manny speaks. Huh. Manny basically comes to life. I mean, he's definitely... 
like corpsey, like he can't really move. He doesn't remember anything. He doesn't know words. He has like not a very good vocabulary, but he is awake and engaging with Paul Dano now. Is his face like expressive or like barely? Daniel Radcliffe has some really great mannerisms that he created for this character that he really sticks to. It's hard to explain. He's a, he's alive, but he's not lively. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. Yeah. <laughs> alive, but not lively. Yes. I feel that way sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So Hank starts kind of like teaching him vocabulary words, teaches him how to enunciate, and they figure out that maybe his name is Manny because it's like one of the first things that Manny says is Manny. So he's like, your name's Manny. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then one of my favorite moments in this film, he has the bag of Cheetos, right, that he got from the beach. So he, like, takes some of the Cheeto dust and, like, puts it in Manny's mouth. And it's like, okay, this is the moment where the Cheeto dust, like, jogs your memory of childhood, being with your mom and her telling you not to lick the Cheeto dust, but you do it anyway. And the camera pushes in and the music crescendos. And they start humming Jurassic Park together. And he's like, you remember? And Manny's like, no, I don't I don't know that. What is that? And he says, my favorite line, if you don't know Jurassic Park, Manny, you don't know shit. That's so valid, though. Like, if you can't attach that to a memory anywhere, you're fucked. Yeah. So Hank introduces Manny to all these concepts of, like, what is life? And one of them is the idea of love. You know, a man and a woman meet each other. They go to a church and they kiss and get married. And there you go. That's love. That's been my experience. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> this is like, it kind of reminds me of Blue Lagoon. Ah, uh, yeah. The Brooke Shields classic. Yeah, where they're like two 12-year-olds are on an island and they're like, this is how to be adults. And then, love each other. Yeah. And he like knocks her up because they don't know what sex is. She gets pregnant and has a baby. It's that movie. Does is that not. happen in this movie? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, Sam, do you trust me that this movie is going to get gay eventually? <laughs> no, I don't. I think you're going to find a weird loophole and you're like, see, so it's kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, right? Yeah. I am good at loopholes. Um, so Hank tries to explain love to Manny. Uh, he shows Manny a Sports Illustrated magazine that they found in, like, a pile of garbage. And he opens it up to one of the pictures of the pretty ladies and starts telling him a love story about, like, oh, one day you might meet this woman, like, walking down the street and you get a coffee and you fall in love and have kids and a dog and... Shut up. Does he get an erection? He gets an erection. <gasps> and Manny gets an erection at that moment. That is so hilarious. Like, you see in movies where they're at this crux where they're, like, kind of losing hope and faith. And they're like, just give me a sign, any sign. And this movie is so fucking flatulent that, of course, the sign is just like a dead man's erection. <laughs> yeah. Even better, like, Manny gets this erection and it, like... It moves around a lot, almost like a compass pointer. And so Hank gets the idea that, like, Manny, your erection is magic. It is pointing uh, pointing us towards home. This isn't gay, Lizzie. And they start following his erection in a direction. Erectionally directed. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I have been so excited and scared to tell you about this movie Is all this week. the gay content? Uh. Hey, we don't discriminate. If it's gay enough for this podcast, it's gay enough for me. Is this what makes it gay? It gets gayer. 
It's like instead of it gets better. It gets gayer. It does get gayer. I hope it gets gayer. So Hank throws Manny on his back and they start following his erection direction. Jeez. So like he feels it in his back? I I didn't really put too much thought into that. So it's narcolepsy. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's uh, necrophilia. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The other one. No. (laughs) So while they're walking, um, talking about love leads to talking about sex. And masturbation and stuff. And um, so Hank is trying to, like, their early relationship is, like, what happens when your very intelligent eight-year-old cousin asks you questions about sex. You try to, like, tell them the truth without being super explicit. So he's kind of trying to explain what sex is. And uh, Manny asks Hank, remember when you put that cork in my butt? Did that count as sex? I'm worried that you think it does and that's that's what's counting You have no gay. faith in me? You have no faith in me? I have, How much faith do you have in me? Do my, you trust me? My faith in you is only exceeded by my knowledge of how weird you can be. <laughs> Just you wait. Just you wait. You're going to make a determination at the end. I'm going to ask you, Sam, is this movie gay? And you're going to tell me with a straight face. I will tell you. If it's gay or not. I always will tell you that. I know. You never fucking lie to me even when I want you to. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Hank gives... Manny the talk. Birds and the bees. I have a question. Yeah. So queer people probably get the talk from their possibly straight parents. Like Mm -hmm. you get the talk pretty early in life. Mm -hmm. And then like all of that information becomes irrelevant because they get the hetero talk. Mm -hmm. Like who gives you the queer talk? The L word. (laughs) 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 like how did you learn about like safe sex practices my my mother was so uncomfortable are you talking about my my hetero birds and bees or my homosexual whatever you feel like sharing i'm curious about it all uh my mother was so uncomfortable by the idea of talking about sex with us and my dad straight up said i'm not going to do that (laughs) i have two other sisters and i don't think my dad felt equipped (laughs) so instead of having an earnest discussion with us my um my mom put on this, like, one episode of Oprah, and my sisters are all—we're all two years apart, and they're older than me, so, like, she had to educate all of us when my oldest sister was ready to have the talk, so I was, like, way too young. She so, just did it all at once? She did us all at once. We watched one episode, like, an hour-long special of Oprah, and she came in afterwards and was like, any questions? No. And I was like, yeah, but, like, I don't know where to even begin. Like, Wait, what was Oprah talking about in the episode? It was – sometimes she would have these specials and my mom would make us watch them. Like, I think she, this happened, like, four or five times. But it was always something like like safe sex mm. or women being kidnapped. It was all, like, cautionary. Like, as a woman, beware of this stuff, you know. So she would show us those. And I don't really remember her having any other talk about sex with us. But everything, so Oprah gave you your sex talk. Oprah did. So hmm. I, I really love Oprah. Um, <laughs> my mom did the best that she could, let's be honest. But I think what I learned about having gay sex was just from movies and television. And movies and television have gotten way better at portraying gay sex. So I was really starting off with like almost nothing. I, I bought a box set of The L Word from a, a DVD exchange <laughs> at oh the shopping God. mall. Um, and I just watched that season front to back. And I was like, that's how you be a lesbian. That's how you have sex. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you keep talking about the, the network. <laughs> the, uh... 
The network? You mean the chart? The chart. Oh my God, not you calling it the network. No. It's okay. I'm just a lesbian wannabe. How did you learn about gay I'm sex? I'm not talking about this. Oh, gay sex? Friends. <laughs> friends. <laughs> friends? Actually, I learned about all sex through friends, and I learned that lesbians I, exist through bitch, friends. I thought you meant the show friends. The show friends. No, the show friends. Unironically, the show Friends taught me what sex was and what lesbians were. Give me a minute. You're turning me around quite a bit. You you mean the show Friends, not your friends in real no, life? No, not my friends in real life. But the show. The show. Okay. How? How? Well, they used to... They talked about everything on Friends. They talked about pregnancy scares. They talked about birth control. They, mm. they talked about sex a lot. They talked about lesbians a good bit. That's true. They did. So I don't know what to tell you. Tuesday nights, there'd be new episodes dropping of Friends because I lived in a time. We lived in a time where there were new episodes of Friends coming out. Yeah. So I count myself very lucky that my dad let me watch Friends. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Does that explain a lot about me? That, that really, really does. All right. <laughs> I accept that. You're so wholesome. That Aww. makes so much sense. Shucks. Yep. Anyway, so Hank farted in Manny's mouth. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. No. All right, back to the world of Swiss Army Man. Yeah, let's go. All right, so while they're having this masturbation conversation, they hear something really big moving in the bushes, and Hank tries to run away with Manny on his back, and they tumble down this hill and kind of get stuck in a ravine. And Hank's phone tumbles out of his pocket and turns on. And Manny, like, lands next to the phone and sees the woman on his screen. And this is the first time we get a really good look at the woman. And it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, a.k.a. Ramona Flowers. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I would get my boner, my dead man boner for her as well. Right? It's Absolutely. like they chose, like, the manic pixie dream girl of, like, every skinny white boy's and my skinny white boy ass's dreams. I love a person that could kick ass, and she's she's kicked a lot of cinematic ass. And yeah. I, if I didn't get a dead man boner for her, who am I going to get a dead man boner for? Like, no one. Cake blanket. <laughs> Cake blanket. They did a great job uh, with that selection. And mm-hmm. she probably didn't even have to do jack shit for this movie. She just let them use, like, a photo of her. I'm assuming. She has, she has a little bit of speaking roles. But for the most part, she's this picture on the phone and the picture is very important too she's wearing this yellow dress she's got like shoulder length kind of reddish brown hair and it's her on a bus and she's like writing in a journal and it's her like kind of looking up in the like golden sunlight on her it's a very beautiful photo so you kind of get the sense that this is like maybe Hank's girlfriend or something so Manny sees the woman on the phone and is like who's that and Hank tells him oh Manny that's your phone this must be someone you love back home hoping to kind of like for some reason, he's trying to hide the fact that he knows this woman on the phone and also, like, jog Manny's memory because he's hoping Manny can remember something that will help them. Wait, time out. Whose phone is this? It is, in fact, Hank's phone. Oh, okay, but he's tr- he's pretending like it's— He's pretending oh. it's Manny's phone to oh. kind of get Manny to— Well, I think he—I think he says it's Manny's phone to kind of cover up. I think he's, like, ashamed that he has this picture on his phone, and we don't know why. Well, you said that before, like, he— got these flashes of him on the bus and this is a photo of someone on the bus so is he being Mm -hmm. creepy with this woman does he not know her do you want spoilers or do you want me to continue with my presentation okay i don't i guess i don't want spoilers just yet okay i'll find out you're 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 catching the scent like you're following the trail of this movie i know a creepy man (laughs) i I, know when i I hear about him through my friend lizzie yes 
Um, so Manny asks Hank to dress up as the girl on the phone. Maybe it'll jog his memory. So he's like, come on, Hank. I just want to see her again because they can't keep the phone on. It's on 6% battery now. So in this scene, Hank goes overboard and he like builds a whole bus set out of like trash and sticks and like yarn and stuff. And it's kind of like... He's, like, playing to Manny's fantasies. Like, all right, let's fucking do this. Like, I want to jog your memory. Maybe you will remember something. What is up? How is he expending this much energy? I've seen enough Survivor to know that your caloric intake, you you cannot just build buses. He's got nothing but time, baby. What is and he eating? Like, uh, squirrels and fish. I mean, if you really want to know about caloric intake, like, Manny has other powers. One of his powers, if you shove something in his mouth... You can get him to, like, spit it out at really high caliber. And so he's, like, shooting birds and shooting fish. And they're, uh, like, feasting. Well, really just Hank. Manny doesn't eat. I see. So he's, so, like, a gun. Yeah. He's also a gun. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. So in this scene, they're on their little fake bus. She's too beautiful. I can't talk to her now. What if I say something stupid? I just want to die. She's right there. You're not going to do anything? Well, what would you do? I would... I would probably wait and watch her get off the bus and go home and eat a whole box of pizza by myself. <laughs> She's too beautiful. Maybe <laughs> I should tell you the truth. I'm not really good at this stuff. All right. Nobody loves you. Oh, what are you doing? All you have to do is talk to her. I believe in you. Whoa! Are you sitting alone? Yeah. So you're a freak. What? <laughs> now you're not. So what are you listening to? It's the song I wrote for you. Got my hand. Okay, now put it on her hand. Okay, I want to look at her. My name is Manny. This is the gay part, isn't it? It's awesome. <laughs> You're feeling things, are you? Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. She's feeling things. I, well, how do you feel? I want to say that there's a common trope in in cinema where they portray men in dresses and it's usually done to like, you know, they believe like emasculating men is funny, you know, because they are losing their power or whatever. And I do not believe that is what's happening here. I believe this is a very... A genuine interaction and I think Paul Dano is a great Mary Elizabeth Weinstead I think he does a very good job his mannerisms are so sweet because we saw this with Birdcage right like Nathan Lane's feminine mannerisms were like very over the top like 1950s performative but I've watched this scene so many times and the way Paul Dano just like holds himself like a little more delicately and like looks up between his eyelashes at Daniel, uh, Daniel Crow. <laughs> <Daniel Radcliffe. laughs> 
if only. <laughs> it's so sweet. Literally, like, I'm just holding my heart and just glowing. It's the sweetest thing ever, right? I'm not just making that up. It's no, really, it's, really sweet. It's such a, like, sweet moment. And for how ridiculous everything is about it, it's like you you can't even notice that because it's just so heartwarming. So heartfelt. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit, like, what happens in that scene? Like, what stood out to you? Yeah, so in that scene, um, we're seeing Hank kind of vicariously act out what he wish he would have done with this woman through Manny um, in this exercise. And although I think Manny made some very dramatic choices when hitting on um, this woman. He's still learning what words mean. Yeah, he did some things where I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and you, But to, to the credit, like Paul Dano, Hank, as um, this woman – kind of recoils when she she should as you know a woman kind of being like you just called me a freak on the bus <laughs> <laughs> um but he recuperates like really nicely and um it seems like it means a lot to manny but i'm sure it means a lot to hank in the way that it all seems so simple now he yeah. could have talked to her it could have been that easy um so it seems like he's still processing all of that yeah and um there's an earlier scene where hank first just tries on this like he basically makes a dress and a wig out of, like, garbage to vaguely mimic what Sarah, the phone girl, is wearing. And when he steps out, like, wearing the wig, he's, like, very, like, shameful. Like, I can't believe I'm wearing a fucking dress. This is ridiculous. And Manny goes, oh, you're beautiful. And just Aww. looks at him. And he's like, wait, really? I'm beautiful? And he's like, absolutely. You're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. It goes to show that if you are with people that you feel safe around, even if that's a dead person, <laughs> you can do something and not worry about being made fun of. And yeah. you can you can feel good and, and process things and not have to feel like you need to be the person that people have understood you to be forever. Yeah. This movie deals a lot with shame. Hank feels a lot of shame. Shame with sex. Shame with his body. Shame with his life. Shame that he didn't talk to this girl on the bus. All these things. But Manny, who's basically like a fresh soul, a baby coming to this earth, like he just farts and says whatever he wants. And he doesn't know better to think twice. So while Hank's trying to like teach him things about the world manny is kind of teaching him how to like let go of the parts that don't make sense mm -hmm. and just be fart if you need you know smile if you need if you think someone is beautiful tell them put a cork up your asshole <laughs> if you fart too much just <laughs> put a cork up there which is fine we haven't heard a fart since the cork since the cork the cork's still there so after this <laughs> it gets even better oh i love this movie after this, we get a homoerotic montage Yay. where Manny and this, like, Hank Sarah wig person go on a bunch of dates. They go on a movie date. They, like, build a cafe out of, like, junk, and they go on this cafe date. We see them dancing together and doing karaoke, <laughs> and um, they decide to throw a party, and they make all these, like, crazy-looking figurines out of, like, sticks and stuff, and they light a fire and having, like, this huge party. It's just this big, beautiful montage of... Hank, Sarah, and Manny just, like, getting to know each other and just vibing and having so much fun. So after their little party scene, you know, it's, like, nighttime, the fire's crackling, and they're both, like, taking a moment. They, like, found, like, a half handle of some old alcohol in the woods, so 
<laughs> you're, you're cringing, but you would drink it. If you didn't have any alcohol on a fucking island, you I'm would just, drink it. I'm imagining how flatulent he's going to become. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Hank's turn to get flatulent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hank's a little drunk, and they're, like, sitting next to the fire, just, like, smiling. Just They just had the greatest day. And um, Manny leans over to Hank Sarah and says, I have a friend named Hank who doesn't like to masturbate, and I think that's so sad. I don't know what masturbation feels like or how it works, but it must feel like the wind in your hair and singing your favorite song and dancing with your friends. And I think Hank's mom would want him to be happy. And throughout this, we're getting like flashes of all these probably days of them hanging out together and like this really dreamy montage and like the music swells and they lean in closer and closer. And they kiss. And they almost kissed. It was so close. Dude, I would just love, I would just love to know that this was like some sort of social experiment and the scientists are like, what the fuck? They're like, Blue Lagoon worked out. I don't think this one's going to plan. Our hypothesis is wrong. Yeah. They're like, we can't weaponize this. It's too dangerous. (laughs) So the next day we wake up, it's daytime, Hank is feeling really awkward and in my mind when I was watching this I was like oh no he's like regretting and this is like the part of the movie where he's gonna be like we can't do that Manny it's not right blah 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 and so he's carrying Manny on his back and they get to like this rickety old bridge and Hank starts to like cross it and it's like creaking and swaying and he's like sweating and Manny kind of calls him out without even knowing he's calling him out he goes Hank I feel like even though we're physically touching there's something between us and that you have something you need to say, but we're not going to say it and that this could go on forever and ever. Have you ever felt that? And Hank's like, nope, you're the first ever person <laughs> on earth to feel that. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and while they're having this conversation, the bridge breaks and they're like flung and they kind of end up dangling from this bridge like 50 feet over a river. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, God, what are we going to do? And Manny goes, Hank, I think I feel fear. And he's like, not now, Manny. Of course you're afraid. He goes, no, Hank, I'm feeling fear. I'm scared because if I die, I might really miss you. And Hank goes, you're the worst. (laughs) And the rope snaps and they go slamming down into the water. Jeez. And Manny starts sinking, sinking, sinking slowly. And Hank is struggling to reach him, swimming as hard as he could, like getting caught up in his clothes. And finally he reaches towards Manny and they envelop themselves in this huge kiss. And you see like flashes of their life together. And this beautiful moment, and then, like, Hank kind of, like, pulls away for a second, like, oh, no, like, kind of second-guessing. But Manny has this giant smile on his face, like, the first real smile you've ever seen this corpse make. And Hank also smiles and kind of just, like, melts back into him. And they have another kiss. Oh, it's so cute. What do you think this kiss means? I think it means that they love each other. I think Hank was struggling with... What his understanding of love is, because he's kind of like idolized this woman creature on this phone, whether he knows her or not, we don't know yet. And kind of like she's been his reason to go home, to like have someone to love. But now he has someone right in front of him. And I think almost losing him in this moment of falling kind of like woke him up a little bit. Is it a romantic kiss? It's romantic. (sighs) It's a very, very romantic, sweet moment. I'm torn with how I feel about that. Because he's dead. <laughs> but he's alive. No, he's not. Okay, don't get caught up in the details. 
I want to <laughs> like it. I initially was like, that's so sweet. And then I was like, wait, that's a dead body. Okay, well, let's just assume that, because you said earlier that this is like a figment of his imagination or some sort. Like, mm -hmm. following that perspective, how would you interpret this scene? It still feels weird, but I'm happy. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it is weird. It's a dead body. I guess I'm just so desperate to see boys kiss. I'm like, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> Enough when, with the details. <laughs> when Republicans talk about the gay agenda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, did I just reveal the gay agenda? Yeah, I'm like, this is not that. <laughs> this this feels like something else. This is something else. Um, um, yeah, it's a very joyful and triumphant kiss in my perspective. And so... Uh, we see a cork bob to the surface, and a huge fart blows the couple up um, to the bank of the river. I, I was thinking that. It's been a minute. <laughs> so um, that night, they make another fire, and Hank is more open than ever with Manny. He starts telling him about his dad, how after his mom died, they never really spoke anymore. And so he's like, yeah, I'm not even sure if my dad knows I've been missing because, like— we don't really talk. And then Manny's kind of like talking about how excited he is to get back to Sarah. You know, Manny's still like in love with the Sarah person. And he said he'd let Sarah ride his farts anywhere she wants. And Hank's like, well, Manny, you can't really fart in front of other people. It's weird. And Manny's like, why are we even going home? Like, you can't do anything there. <laughs> like, why would, you, why would you not call and tell your daddy you love him if you do? Like, why wouldn't you fart in front of someone? Like, you said everybody farts. Like, why hold that back? So, like, you're, you're getting, like, the, the self-defeating logic of Hank, that is society's logic, in a way that's kind of like, yeah, but I don't really have a reason. It's just the way things are. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, not good enough for Manny because he's like, but the logic doesn't make sense. So so this is when we really come face to face with the theme of shame. And um, I found this really interesting quote by one of the directors, one of the Daniels. Um, he says, because we were so ashamed of this idea, so ashamed that we were spending time on it, that kind of naturally bled into the film. In some ways, this movie became that, something that we were afraid to share with the world. We realized we could connect those feelings with the feelings of body shame and put them all together into a stew of what it means to be human and what it means to be alive. Which I thought was really interesting. Like, of course, these two guys were like embarrassed about this project, you know, mm -hmm. like think about pitching this. Like, yeah, a man stranded falls in love with a corpse and the corpse has magical farting powers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you commit to it and you do it. If you run at it full force, like that, I think it's the only way you can do it and pull it off. And I think that they succeeded. Yeah. I think it's a really well done movie. I mean, you can see from the shots, like the cinematography, editing, VFX, it's all there. So after this fireside talk, Hank goes to pee in the woods and he sees a car and realizes they're like right next to a highway. What? Yeah. Like they got to civilization. Huh. And so he turns on his phone and he has service and he opens up Instagram and goes to Sarah's Instagram and sees that she has a husband and a daughter and that she's, like, living this great life. And he just, like, gets so upset. And he runs back to Manny and just, like, kind of word vomits the truth. Like, this phone isn't yours, Manny. It's mine. This is a photo I took of a girl 
on the bus that I saw every day that I never had the courage to talk to. And I have no idea who she is. She has no idea who I am. And I'm just a loser, just a sorry fucking loser. And Manny goes, Hank, I have to tell you something too. There's a giant raccoon eating all of our food. (laughs) And Hank goes, what? And then at that moment, a fucking grizzly bear attacks them. (gasps) Holy shit. And they go to fight the bear off. And Hank, like, using Manny's powers of, like, shooting stuff out of his mouth, like, they're able to scramble up into a tree. And during this whole, like, hubbub with the bear... Manny sees the photo of Sarah and her husband on the phone and just is totally heartbroken. Like, he starts feeling the same way Hank does. And so they're up in the tree, and Manny's heartbreak has kind of given him a weird new power. He's, like, projecting all these really erratic images into Hank's head somehow, like, powerful images of their time together, but, like, twisting into something darker kind of evil, like, loud images, and it's kind of, like, freaking Hank out, and he, like, slips from the tree and is, like, hanging from a branch, and he's like, Manny, like, you need to stop. Like, I'm I'm going to fall, and I'm going to die, and he eventually does drop to the ground, breaks his leg, and the bear starts to attack him and starts dragging him away, and Hank and Manny, because <laughs> this is the kind of movie this is, are able to have, like, this conversation about death and life and love, Well, he's being dragged away by a bear. Basically, he thinks he's going to die, so he's kind of, like, confessing all of his sins to Manny. Uh And Manny kind of realizes that he doesn't want Hank to die. So he, like, for the first time in the movie, like, reanimates enough to, like, drop to the ground and, like, scare off the bear and save Hank. Mm. Hank, like, comes to, and he's strapped to Manny's back, and Manny's the one walking him through the forest now. And... They emerge at the edge of a neighborhood, and they're, like, in a backyard. There's, like, a kid's play set set up. And through the kitchen window, we see Sarah. No We're in Sarah's way. backyard. And Manny's like, we found her. Hank, we let's go talk to her. You're about to traumatize some children. <laughs> <laughs> so you have seen this movie. <laughs> so Hank, like, is trying to fight his way back to the forest. He's like, I'm just a scared, ugly, useless person. I don't want to go back into the world. And he's, like, fighting with Manny. And Manny's like, come on, Hank. Like, this is this is everything we've been working for. And at that moment, a little girl is like, hello? <laughs> and we see, like, a five-year-old kid holding, like, a stuffed animal staring at them. And Manny tries to talk to her. He's like, hi, my name's Manny, and this is my best friend, Hank. Wait, um, please tell me we get to see this from her perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, you know, does his old Manny thing, and he, like, farts, and his, like, boner comes to life. And no. the little girl starts freaking out. And, of course, she's scared. This, like, zombie thing is, like, farting at her. <laughs> and so Manny feels so ashamed. He's like, Hank, you're right. I am weird. I'm disgusting. Like, and... Hank's like, no, it's okay, Manny. She just doesn't understand. And Sarah comes outside. Mary Elizabeth Winstead comes outside. <laughs> and it's like, what? who are y'all? What the fuck is going on? Like, Chrissy, come here. Like, she gathers her child to her. And Chrissy's like, mommy, mommy, they were lost in the woods and they need help. And she's like, is that true? And Hank, like, nods, still doesn't speak to her, just nods. She's like, okay, I'm going to go get help. She runs back inside. She locks the fucking door. Locks the fucking door. <laughs> gets a gun. Yeah, right? Dude, they do not. They're not in a good way. No. At this point. And so Hank, like, leans down. Manny's, like, face to the earth, just, like, feeling so ashamed and so worthless. Hank's like, look, that wasn't so bad. And Manny's like, you know, don't tell Sarah how much I loved her. And he slips away. He dies. 
So he like double dies. He double dies. Because he wasn't like technically alive in the last scene, right? He was still kind of dead. He's still a corpse. But he like super duper dies. He, he like, you can see his eyes like lose all their life. He like glazes over and goes motionless. Like oh, he's geez. gone. Yeah. And Hank's heartbroken. He just kind of like stands there just like stunned. And so an EMT comes, the cops come, like a news, what's it called? A news anchor comes and Hank's father shows up. Wow. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winston got shit done real quick. So they're like checking out Hank and his dad's like, all right, son. And um, they are zipping up Manny in a body bag and Hank hears the coroner say, oh, another body washed up on the beach. You know, we'll take him back to the morgue. But if he's not claimed in two weeks, which they never are, we're just going to burn him. And Hank's like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. He runs to the body bag, starts like unzipping Manny and like trying to put him on his back. And his father's like, what are you doing, son? That's a corpse. What's wrong with you? What would your mother think? And Hank says, I think she'd be happy somebody loves me. Mm. And he takes the body and like puts it on a stretcher and like runs the stretcher into the woods and down a hill. <laughs> and everyone starts chasing after him. Like Sarah, the cops, the newspaper people with like the camera and the microphone, like everyone's chasing after him. They chase him uh, all the way down the hill and we see their whole like, you know, their whole world together. We see the bus and Hank's like, oh shit, they can see everything. And everyone's just like looking around in disbelief and the cameraman's recording and Hank's just so, like, ashamed, but he makes it past all that and goes to the beach, and he drags Manny to the beach, basically the same place that he found them. And, ugh, there's a really sad scene. I want to show you this scene. This is the final scene of the movie. So Manny and Hank have made it back to the beach, and Han uh, Hank is kind of, like, cradling Manny's face and just talking to him. I really screwed you up tonight. I'm sorry. I just wanted to give you all the things in life that everyone else gets to have and all the things I thought I didn't deserve to have until I met you. They might laugh at us. They might call us names. They might think we're weird, but it doesn't matter what they think. Just please, don't die. Hey. You made all that? Yes. Yes. We did it. Together. Why would they bring the fucking okay. kid to this? And we danced. Oh, God. And it was beautiful. Turn the child away from this. I wish you all could have been there. I wish you all could have seen it. We just have to show them. Oh, no. I'm with Sarah. I'm like, <laughs> fucking stop. Yeah, this is the first time we get to see, like, their relationship from an outside perspective. I've been seeing it the whole time, sugar. I hate to break no, it to girl, you. No, girl, I've been watching you watch them, and you're like, <gasps> with, like, cutie blink blink eyes. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, if Mary... Elizabeth Winston thinks they're weird. I think they're weird. <laughs> I've thought it was weird the whole time, Lizzie. I love you. I it's so Lee, fucking can we weird. get some playback? <laughs> <laughs> but in this scene, 
So everyone is staring at him and Manny, and they're totally disgusted and weirded out. His dad, the cops, Sarah, Sarah's husband, Sarah's daughter, the newspaper people. They should have... They should not have brought this child to this place. And the father doesn't even turn the kid away at any point. Like, this kid is going to be traumatized. Yeah. Well, this is California. They don't they don't protect their children from anything, <laughs> especially gay necrophilia. <laughs> so after this scene, um, oh, you're going to love this. <clears throat> you're going to hate this, actually. Um, so Hank's like, we just have to show them, Manny. Like, they might laugh at us. They might stare at us. But we just have to show them. And he lets out a huge fart in front of everybody. Who? Hank. Hank lets out a fart in front of everybody. And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Mary Elizabeth Winston says, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Hank's like, and the cops start taking him away because I guess they think he killed this guy. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, necrophilia <laughs> is definitely illegal. Is it? Yes. Huh. Yeah, it's very illegal. God, if you, like, went to jail for necrophilia, like... People do. It's over for you. What? Yes. You think there's someone, like... Yes. Huh. You seem pretty confident, Sam. You want to <laughs> you wanna talk about something? I don't know the in and outs of the necrophiliac legal system, but I'm telling you, it's definitely <laughs> fucking illegal. Anyway. You, like, can't. Yeah, you're like, why not? He's right there. <laughs> I mean, it was Daniel Radcliffe. It's probably chill. Um, so yeah, Hank farts and everyone's like, what the fuck? And then Manny starts like shaking on the, on the shore, kind of like how we saw in the beginning of the movie. He starts coming to life and everyone's like, what? This corpse is alive? And they kind of start like taking a little step back and Hank like runs over to Manny and leans down and whispers something in his ear that we can't hear. And I watched this scene back like 50 times and Googled it. But you never can tell what they say. But it kind of looks like, I think it looks like, I love you, Manny. Just from like the number of syllables. Anyway, whatever. He says something in his ear, uh, in Manny's ear that we don't hear. And Manny smiles and then roars off into the sunset like a jet ski on his farts. By himself. And everyone, yeah, by himself. And everyone's kind of like nodding and like, all right, damn. They, They really had a thing going. They love each other. And Hank smiles, and we fade to black. I'm just sure they didn't even turn that child around, even for the fart jet ski off. <laughs> well, the child starts, like, laughing hysterically. So uh, we get the sense the child's like, oh, this is fun. Farts are funny. She's going to be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. Aw, it's a nice ending. Yeah, it's really heartwarming. Like, for all the things that, you're right, this is a movie about necrophilia, lest we not forget it's still really sweet. And I, I think, like it. I think necrophilia is only when you actually like fuck it. And if you're saying putting a cork in his butt wasn't sex, then we're all good. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's a little too close that we're going to have to question it. Yeah, we'll let the judge decide. <laughs> <laughs> Take her away. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, did you enjoy yourself? I did. did I know it? that you want to paint me as the naysayer, the non-believer. <laughs> But I think anyone's first watch of this movie, they're going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, it's part of the appeal, right? (laughs) It is part of the appeal for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie that centrals around like a dead body and farts. Yeah. And I think. But it has a big heart and a big fart. It has a big fart. I think that it makes it even more like, I mean, what's the alternative? Like 
he's stranded with somebody else and they have these uh, there's just no way for it to have worked so i really like it even if it's super fucking weird it's super funny i laughed out loud more times than i can count so um do you think this movie is gay no yes no explain yourself yes no um i don't think the the manny and the sarah thing is gay or the Hank as Sarah and Manny thing is gay. I think that's more ex- more of a vicarious experience. But I do think that kiss that was shared, if you're telling me it's it was romantic, I think that there's something there when you're like, when you believe you're the last two people on earth and you truly care for each other and, you know, almost saw one another die. And I think that that love can be expressed that way. It, it reminds me of the Thelma and Louise kiss where they're like, the last scene where they're like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't originally in the script. It was Susan Sarandon's idea. Oh, she, really? Yeah. She was like, we're about to fucking Aww. die. We're the only people on the earth that understand each other and matter to each other. And Hell yeah, we're going to kiss. Commit, you know. they, they commit But is there not it. love behind that? There is love. I think it's platonic love in, in the for Thelma and Louise. But I don't know here... If you're saying it's a romantic and non-platonic love, I don't know. Do you think it's gay? Yes. I think it's something platonic that shifts into something Wait. very... Like, they're in love with each other. In my mind, they're in love with each other. I'm not trying to roast you, but you said platonic shift. Like a tectonic plate shift? Yes. I was like, <laughs> did you mean to do that? <laughs> I didn't, but <laughs> we were talking about uh, Jurassic Park, so I've got archaeology on the mind um no what i meant like it started platonic and shifts into something romantic you say platonic weird i almost can't hear what you're saying platonic 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 yeah you let me say snowman in an episode <laughs> so i'm trying to save you you also ah, said yes, ravine she fell on a snowman <laughs> you're like they fell into a ravine <laughs> can you say what you're saying again but in a way that i can understand you I think the way that Manny and Hank's relationship started in the beginning was friendship, a platonic friendship. Did I say it right? No. Platonic friendship. That's it. But I think it shifted into something um, more tender and romantic. Yeah. And I think if they had had more time, I think they would have fucked. Would have had a relationship. And maybe would have had sex. Not that I condone necrophilia, <laughs> but you're not not. All right. So a quote from the director and then I'll be fucking done. The director said in an interview, one of the directors, I don't know which one, Daniel said, we just kept rewriting and rewriting until we allowed them to fall in love. And once we allowed ourselves to write that, the story really started to grow and blossom into something worthwhile. So that was a really interesting turning point when we let Hank and Manny fall in love and accidentally made a gay necrophilia movie. So you just let me talk about how it wasn't gay just so you could be like, everyone gets an opinion. But the director said it's gay. Yeah, that's their opinion. No, because look, to be very honest, I read a lot of other articles about this and it was maybe like... 70 30 70 called it like a bromance or a friendship or something like that very few people brought up any sort of queerness Hmm. this was like this quote stuck out to me because it was how i interpreted the stories but there is there's a lot of 
people that don't believe that what they shared was romantic. Hmm. Which, I don't know how I feel about it. But I love this movie. <laughs> Do you think that this role was, like, weird enough for Daniel Radcliffe to break away from Harry Potter just a little bit? Or... I think it's a complete departure. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. He, he, if he was, I mean, he was doing this intentionally and he picked a good role. Good choice. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and my next trick, I'm going to be in a movie where I turn into a demon. <laughs> okay. On um, to the scores. Yeah. Yay. On a scale of one to 10 and overall, uh, what do you rate this movie? I like this movie already. Like just from the clips itself i was laughing pretty fucking hard uh, i'll give it an eight fuck yeah um i think i'll give it a nine i've i have so little films to compare it to it's so fucking cute you're just gonna prices right me every episode no in happiest season i gave it a four and you gave it a five that's true so you prices right me you're right eh. receipts <laughs> um <laughs> on a sc- oh this is gonna be the one on a scale of one to ten how gay is it uh Okay, how about this? Hold up your score on on your hands under the table. Okay. And then we're going to hold up our fingers uh, at the same time. <laughs> Give me the two birds. Fuck you. All right, okay. do you. Do you have your score? Wait, let me think about mine. All right. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. She gives it a five. I split the difference because at first I didn't think it was gay then in, towards the end, I thought it was a little bit gay. And then the director said it's super gay. You know what? I give it a, I give it a seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. I give it an eight. So I price it right at you yet again. Son of a bitch. Okay. All right, do the math thing. Eight plus nine plus, I said seven plus eight, right? Uh-huh. We give this movie an eight. And that's fair. I yeah. totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. As do I. <laughs> okay, I'm almost afraid to know, Sam, what did you learn from this movie? <laughs> oh, I've learned so many things. Um, what I've learned from this movie is that there are a lot of things that you can do that are so close to necrophilia, <laughs> but aren't actual necrophilia, <laughs> that you can get a whole studio to bankroll it and a major star. And this was these motherfuckers' first feature. What are they going to do next? Oh, I'll take this moment to plug their next movie. They have a movie coming out this year called... Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I encourage you to watch the trailer because I have no idea how to pitch it to you. <laughs> it is fucking weird. Uh, Lizzie, what did you learn? I learned that I love seeing boys kiss. Dead boys. Dead boys. <laughs> Dead boys and sad boys. It begs the same question as Black Swan of two boys kiss in the forest and one of them is dead. Are they gay? <laughs> is he gay? <laughs> Subtextual is hosted by Lizzie Guitro and Sam De La Fuente. Produced and engineered by Lee Garcia. Edited by Lizzie. Music by DJ No. Next week, join us for your mom's favorite movie, It's Gay I Promise, My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs>